Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank and praise you for your goodness and your love to us. We thank you for the blessings that are in our lives daily because of you. And Lord, we ask that we would worship you this morning in our hymns and our specials. Lord, in the preaching of your word. And yet, Lord, when we come to the time of invitation and offering, it's a time for us to give back to you. And Lord, we ask the Holy Spirit would have a special freedom to work in our hearts and lives. That, Lord, you may get glory in this church to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You to keep Leland and Rachel, little Felix, in prayer. As most of you know, finding a job and all of those things is not the easiest to do anywhere, but especially here. And so pray for them uh, as they are seeking that God would use them to start a new church here in New York City. And at, at this time, uh, there are a couple of churches on Manhattan Island, but Nothing that we could recommend without serious reservation. Music, Bible versions, uh, major, major issues. And, and so uh, there, there is a desperate, desperate need. Now, uh, there have been churches in the past, but they have changed. And, and I will tell you that uh, uh, I really enjoyed... Um, uh, the graduation preaching week at Heartland, it was uh, absolutely amazing as we saw a new president, Brother Jason Gaddis, is now the president of Heartland Baptist Bible College, and uh, Brother Sam is president uh, or the chancellor of the college, and um, uh, that was interesting how they defined uh, that uh, term, how it is defined, uh, uh, the chancellor is an advisor. And uh, certainly I wouldn't uh, want anyone, uh, couldn't think of anyone better than, than Brother Sam as he is called. And by the way, Lord willing, not this June, not this year, but uh, next year, Brother Sam's going to be with us for a um, uh, summer revival in the month of June. And uh, also to teach uh, what is called the Ministry Refresher Institute, a, a class for uh, pastors in the area. And so we're looking forward to uh, those things. But I, I will tell you, it was quite an emotional week as uh, there were many uh, allusions to the history of, of Heartland that used to be Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College and the struggles they went through and how that the school uh, actually back in the uh, 70s and early 80s had departed from Many of the simple teachings of God's Word and had brought worldliness and worldly music into the school and then things changed. And uh, I remember Brother Sam uh, alluding to uh, a sermon and well, several of the preachers alluded to a sermon that was preached in 1997. It was actually the last time I visited uh, the college I graduated from. And Brother Sam preached a great sermon on the, uh, on the old paths, on the straight path in the narrow way. In fact, uh, it's quite a famous sermon called the Narrow Way Sermon. And uh, I'll tell you, I sat there listening to him talk about how that we needed to stay on the narrow way as, as Christians and as a Bible college 
and the very men that were turning the college in the opposite direction were sitting on the platform. Uh, they didn't boo him out loud. Not allowed to do that in a preacher's meetings, but you could feel uh, the tension uh, was absolutely incredible as uh, uh, there were many of us there. I remember sitting beside Pastor Folger, my pastor now, and, and we were amening and, and tears running down my face. I remember during that sermon, and I could see others that just had grit teeth and just oh, couldn't stand what was being said. And uh, I, I'm here to report that uh, there's a lot of good things that have happened to ensure that Heartland Baptist Bible College stays on the right path, stays on those old ways and stays true uh, to, those, uh, to what the Bible says. You know, there's, there's an awful lot in our world today that influences us in, in how we think. And we often tend to relegate truth to the realm of opinion. Well, that's your truth. Well, okay, you, you believe that to be true, but, you know, you have to give me the right to believe something absolutely opposite is equally true. Now, there is a word that my mother taught me for that. It's called stupid. Amen? Uh, uh, you, you cannot have two things that are um, uh, against each other, that are opposites, and both of them can't be true at the same time. And, and yet we live in a world where that philosophy, and that's, that's the only way you can twist and uh, mess up your mind, pervert thinking patterns to where you can actually accept that, is by studying philosophy, by being able to make your mind stop working the way that God intended it to, and then I thought about our church. And uh, Brother Sam stopped and actually said, Brother Pete, I want you to understand something. I go, whoa, what's this? He said, if every pastor had your understanding of what investing and giving is, he said, we would have a $2 million offering at Heartland, not missing the mark for the one that we had. And you see, I want to say something here. I can have all the attitudes I want, but if you as a church don't follow me as your pastor, it doesn't, it doesn't do a bit of good. And so Brother Sam was complimenting me, but I, I want to pass that on to our church because you're the ones that make it work. You see... We, we understand some truths. We've had an awful lot given to our church. Amen? You're sitting in the miracle on 35th Street. Uh, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Southwest Baptist Church gave $10,000 to help us purchase this building in 1997. That's no small gift. Cleveland Baptists gave over $25,000 over a period of years to help us buy this building. See, that's why we ought to 
do what we did and give $50,000 toward Union Baptist Church. Amen? Amen. You see, to whom much is given, much is required. Amen? And God has given us so much. And the most wonderful thing about giving is that you have to have something to give first. Amen? And God has blessed our church with the ability to give. How many of you enjoyed Brother De Cavallo's presentation in Sunday school? That, that was amazing. Started two churches. Now, he's been there for 12 years. But I'll tell you what, there's two churches there pastored by, what did he say, Cape Verdean pastors? Uh, uh, the people who lived there on the island who got saved. And I'll tell you what, you need to be thankful every week. Brother Franz grew up in this church, got saved in this church. And now he's preaching every Sunday and Wednesday night in the Bronx. Amen. And uh, Brother Mike is a transplant, but he came up, served a year internship, and sent out of our church. You know, those are things that God has allowed us to do. And you know what we need to do? We need to pray that God will allow us to do more. Amen? And I want us to... And, and that's not necessarily only by each one of us in here sacrificing more, I'll tell you the easiest way to do it is to get some extra help. Let's get other people to join with us, to get saved, to, to follow. You see, we live in a world where the narrow way is despised. I, I couldn't tell you how many times over the years I've had people, oh, you... you how in the world do you walk that narrow way? I can't do that. That's, that's too, uh, too confining. I, I couldn't. I said, well, what, what in the world is so confining about the narrow way? Uh, do you want to live a life of fornication and immorality? Well, I, I didn't say, well, that's part of the narrow way, isn't it? Hello? Uh, are, are you, Wanting to just uh, read every Bible version out there and, and believe anything you want to, uh, to keep searching through the Bible until you find one that agrees with you? Or would you rather have a Bible that teaches you? You see, the narrow way is where freedom is. And this morning... I don't know if I'm actually starting a series or not, but uh, we'll, will you pray with me about that? Um, I have a burden in my heart that our church and churches that we start out of our church and, and, and the next generation, if God uh, if G, does not send Jesus back to take us out of this earth, I... I want Open Door Bible Baptist Church to still be doing what we're doing today 50 years from now. Because that's the Bible plan. 
You see, the church didn't start with our church when we started 25 years ago. The church started with a man named Jesus Christ. And 11 good apostles and one bad one, Judas. That was the first church. And what we're trying to do is follow in those footsteps. And I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. This morning, I'd like to preach on a question that was asked Jesus in Luke chapter 13 and verse 23. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? That was the question that was asked in Luke chapter 13 and verse 23 of Jesus Christ. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Jesus now answers, verse 24, Strive to enter in at the straight gate, for many I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence. And thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not when ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, there are last which shall be first and there are first which shall be last. Now, this is a great question, is it not? Are there few that be saved? I mean... That's really in the face of what most people talk about when they talk about God and talk about the Bible. We, we understand that it is God's will that none should perish. The Lord is not willing. He doesn't want anyone to miss out on eternity. And yet this question was asked. Now, questions normally have a context. Normally, questions are asked in relationship to what's going on in the conversation or circumstances surrounding the people who are involved in the conversation. Are we together on that? I mean, little children, we often have to work with them. Uh, At the dinner table, we... 
we, we like to discuss things as a family, and many times uh, the conversation will start leading into politics, and we'll start talking about different news things that we've heard and how they apply and what's going on, and, and we'll get a, a, oftentimes a, a fairly uh, complex uh, conversation going on. And then one of the little fellows will raise a hand or, or interrupt and say, why were the fighter planes in, in World War II, why were some of them white and some of them green? Nothing to do with the conversation whatsoever. But while we were talking, they weren't paying attention. They were looking through their picture book and, hey, hey, this doesn't look right. Hey, Dad, do you know? I have no idea why they painted some of them white and some of them green. Maybe they ran out of paint. I don't know. Uh, chances are some of them were sea operation and others were over the jungles and so they would have different camouflage schemes. But what, what does that have to do with what's going on here? And I, I want to challenge you. This question was not one of those little childish questions that was just not connected to anything. It was connected to the conversation. You read the verse before, Jesus had gone through the villages and he was teaching in, in those villages. And, and so as they were hearing Jesus teach and, and explain the message, a revelation directly from God, because Jesus is God, amen? And, and as Jesus was bringing forth this message, the the people there beside him, possibly one of the disciples, looks and says, wait a minute, are there few that be saved? Isn't salvation for everyone? If salvation is for everyone, why are there only few that be saved? And really, if we'll just stop and look at this question for a moment... You can find this question still being asked today. We live in a world of great intellectual controversy today. And, and uh, it almost echoes uh, the arguments of what we call the Arminian versus the Calvinist. The, the Arminian believes that God will eventually save everyone. The Calvinist believes that God will only save the elect. And down through the centuries, and this argument developed in the Middle Ages, and, and uh, uh, they, uh, John Calvin was a medieval lawyer in, in Switzerland, and he started out with a one-page little statement of protest against the Catholic Church, and before he's done, it's like 25 volumes of material trying to explain. And he is the founder of what we call Reformed Theology. And you will often hear me say very negative things about Calvinism because it is a disease that is infecting many of our colleges and our young people today because it offers... Uh, a, a very logical explanation of the Bible. Could I challenge you that God never intended His Bible to be explained by the logical reasoning ability of man? 
Now, in protest to that is the Arminian. And the Arminian are the ones that make the smiley face tracks. God is love. There's no way God will send anybody to hell. I mean, hell is not a real place. And and, and God loves everybody. and, And the Arminian is really kind of strange because they also believe that you can pick up salvation and take it to you and then you can lay it down and reject it and turn away from it and then come back and pick it up again. And, and uh, the main proponents of this would be found in the modern charismatic tongue-speaking churches, uh, the, what used to be called the holiness people, the Nazarenes and the uh, uh, um, Christian Missionary Alliance and many of the Bible churches and, and these groups, they, they believe these things and they argue back and forth and, and it's been uh, all this, all the way through, down through the ages. But can I offer you a third case? How about those people who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? shall be saved. See, that's, that's what the Bible says. And, and Jesus, in answering this question, He, he gives us a, a marker, He gives us a way to evaluate whether we are saved or not. And, and that filter, if you would, or that that uh, uh, evaluation point, that characteristic, is here in verse 24. He says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. He said, if you're going to be saved, you must enter in at the straight gate. Now, the word straight simply means tight, confined. What did Jesus tell the apostles the night he was betrayed? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Let me ask you, can you get any straighter than that? Uh, How many options... Are you there? We went to a, uh, a burger place and they had a list of about 25 toppings you could put on your burgers. And uh, I just said, oh, give me everything. Amen. Uh, you need a fork beside the hamburger to eat it with it, but we'll, we'll just, just put it all on there. And, and, uh, but there aren't a lot of options. There's no add-ins to I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no church in there. There's no theological system that you can uh, twist and wind and, and, and screw into through this gate. You cannot carry it with you. It must be you by yourself. They wrote an old gospel song, maybe... Uh, maybe we'll get a quartet together to sing it on the Jericho Road. There's room for just two. I love that old song. It says, no more, no less, just Jesus and you. 
I'll tell you, Jesus said that we need to strive to enter in at the straight gate. He says, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. He said, there's going to be an awful lot of people that are trying to get into this gate, but, but they're not going to be able to do it. Turn with me to John chapter 10 for a moment, if you would. Keep your finger at Luke 13. We'll be, definitely be back there. But John chapter 10, I just want to read a few verses for you. Verse 7, John chapter 10, follow along carefully. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Do you need any better explanation of the straight gate than that right there? If you do, I challenge you, it's because you've already chosen to reject the words of God. The words of God are very simple. Jesus said, listen, I'm the door. If you're going to enter in, you're going to enter in by me. There's no other way. There's no other place you can go. But you know, it says many will seek to enter in there. You know, as I look out over our auditorium this morning, I see some empty seats. And I've had many people say, oh, it would be just wonderful if God filled this place up. Yeah, it would. be incredible. We'd have to run the air conditioning in the wintertime. But you know something? That wouldn't be a problem. We'll figure it out. Amen? There was a church in Chattanooga, Tennessee for many, many years, a great gospel preaching church, no heating system, whatever, in the building, only cooling. Because when you filled that place up, uh, it got hot, even in the dead of winter, because there were just so many people in that auditorium. I think the auditorium seated well over 2,000 people and it was full. And, and what a wonderful time. That church isn't even there anymore today. It's gone. Let me tell you why it's gone. Because they departed off the narrow way. They decided they were going to try to reach out to the world in which they live and, and build bridges and communicate. And you know what happened? The world ate the church. See, I hope and pray the reason you're here this morning is because what's going on in here is different than what's going on out there. What's going on in here is different than what's going on in hundreds of auditoriums all over this city where they call them churches and they come in and they talk about Jesus. You see, it says many will seek to enter in. But, but they're not going to be able to. They can't. 
And we could spend the whole sermon on this, mo- on this morning on why people could not enter into the gate, but we'll save that message for another day and just offer a few alternatives. One is because they're holding on to something, whether it's religion, family, money, possessions. Do you know you can go to hell holding on to your Bible? Because if you don't do what it says, it's not going to do you a bit of good. It's not going to help you get through the gate. You've got to simply put feet to what the Bible says. It says that we're supposed to strive. We, we have to fight. We have to remember. Uh, I, I will tell you, we, we need to be reminded that we're in a war. The devil never takes a break. He, he never rests. He never sits down and says, you know, I've done enough messing around with people's lives. I'm just going to enjoy the fruit of my labors. The devil never quits. But we do. Oh, I just need a break. I'll tell you, that's when the devil gets you. It's when you take a break. When you decide that you need a rest from serving Jesus. Uh, and we're not talking about uh, taking a, a, a vacation once or twice a year or something like that. That's That's not what we're talking about, but... There are people, oh, it's just too much. I'm, I'm just going to stay home and I'll worship Jesus at home today. Uh, I'll tell you what. If you want to worship Jesus, the Bible tells us we're supposed to enter in at that straight gate. That, that it takes some effort. That it's going to take some letting go of some things. It's going to take, you know what the, the Bible word is? It's humility. Isn't that a terrible word? I mean, we've done our best to erase that word from our vocabulary, have we not? You know what humility really is? It's understanding that God is smarter than you are. How many of you say, Pastor, that's, that's nothing new to me. I, I understand God's smarter than I am. Anybody else say, yeah, I'm with you, preacher? But how many times do we try to help God out? You see, when, when we surrender, we just say, listen, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it your way. Uh, I'm not going to do it my way. I'm not going to put requirements... On you. And I know this is going to be absolutely beyond simple this morning, but Jesus said, Strive to enter in at the straight gate, for many I say unto you will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door. And ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. Do you, do you get what's being said here? 
You see, it says that the master is going to rise up. And he has shut to the door. Now, that's what my Bible says. The wording is a little difficult there. But it makes you stop and read it a little more carefully. Amen. He has shut to the door. That means the gate's closed. Can I challenge you today that you don't have forever to decide what side of the gate you're going to be on? Could I challenge you that this means that there's a lot of people standing around the gate. But they haven't taken that step through the gate. And and that once that door is shut, there's going to be people knocking on the door saying, "Uh, let us in. You see, there is a time limit on this thing. That's why the Bible tells us Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is the day to lay aside everything that you're holding on to. But look what it says here uh, in their answer to him is they call him Lord, Lord. You know, the only people in the Bible that use that term, Lord, Lord, are unsaved people. I, I don't know why. I think possibly part of it is that there's an awful lot of people who like to use the name of Jesus and they use it all the time because they don't know Him. And I'm not talking about people who use it as a curse word. That's, that's beyond the scope. Anybody thinks that that is okay? I'm sorry, there's very little hope for you on the right side of eternity. You need to get that straightened out. Jesus is not a curse word. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. But isn't it amazing that these people who miss, who are standing on the wrong side of the gate are going, Lord, Lord! Maybe they think they'll be heard for their much speaking. Maybe they think, or maybe they're trying to convince themselves. They're using the right name. That word Lord means master. It, It means owner. I've often tried to use this illustration in New York City. Most of us have a landlord somewhere. Uh, unless you bought your house and then you're your own landlord. But uh, if, if you live in an apartment here, you've got a landlord. Your landlord owns the building. He lets you live in the building. But it's not yours. Jesus wants to be your life lord. He owns the property. That means... He is the one that's responsible for fix and repair. He doesn't want us using self-help books. He wants us using Jesus' help book. There's only one of those. Amen? He, he is the owner of the property. He, by the way, the owner pays the taxes. Amen? Not the, not the renter. Jesus takes care of all of those responsibilities. But doesn't, as a tenant, don't you have certain responsibilities? If you decided never to take the trash out and filled your apartment full of garbage, what's going to happen? 
Well, if your landlord finds out about it before it starts a fire and burns the building down, he will remove you and the garbage from the apartment. He has the right to do that because it still belongs to him. If you decide to get hot pink paint and paint all the walls fluorescent pink with big black and green polka dots, you know what? The landlord has a right to move you out and make you pay to repaint the walls 15 coats to cover up that stuff. Uh, when our first apartment we moved in, uh, the walls were all cracked and I started trying to fix it and I found out uh, there was a layer of hot pink paint under there. And so we ended up just sheetrocking the whole inside of the apartment to, to make it safe. Uh, for the kids and things, it, it was just it just was unfixable. But if Jesus is the landlord, he's the one that does the fixing. That's what being on the narrow way is all about. Can we say amen to that? You see, isn't it amazing? Here's what they said: We have eaten and drunk in thy presence. You know what that is? When you eat and drink with someone, we, we have a word for that. It's called fellowship. That's why we have the family fun nights. Amen? That's why there's food. It's just better with food, isn't it? And, and uh, we, we enjoy that time together. And here it says, hey, they're using the right name. They're... They're doing the right things. They're, they're spending time with the Lord Jesus Christ. They're, they're eating and drinking in His presence. And it says, and that's taught in our streets. You know, you could do all of those things just by coming to church on Sunday morning. Coming to the church socials. and, and, and our, you, you take care of all these things. There's only one problem. Jesus is on the other side of the gate. And it's shut and they're knocking. And they're trying to get inside. And the answer is, I know ye not. I know you not whence ye are. Now, People read that and say, I know ye not whence you are. Okay, I don't know your name and I don't know where you're from. No, that, that's not the right meaning of the word know there. What he's saying is, I've never had a part in your life. And the source of everything you do is not me. I, I am not a partaker of that. I am not the source of, of the life that is in you. It's not me. In him was light. And the light was the life of men. See, Jesus said, I have no part of this. How many of you, before you got saved, went to a church where they talked about Jesus all the time? Right? But Jesus says, I know you not. I, I don't have any part in that. They use my name. 
But if you would just simply, and we've done this before, go through the characteristics of how they describe how this Jesus that they worship behaves and acts and how he thinks. And, and you, you cannot reconcile those characteristics with what the Bible tells us about the Jesus of the Bible. Hello? You see, this is what Jesus is saying here. I know you're not. Once you are, you didn't come from me. You're using my name. Maybe you were even in the right place. You've heard me teach. You admit that. But you have to understand something. You are on the wrong side of the door. And you're not getting in. How many of you have been insulted by people of other religions looking down on you for going to a church like our church? I'll tell you what, I sure have. Oh, oh you're a pastor? Well, in our church, uh, that's a lay position. You're not even trained. So, uh, listen, in our church, the pastor is the highest position in the whole church because we're all low. There's nobody that's important in our church except Jesus Christ. You see, we're not into elevating men. Because the last phrase that Jesus says there, all ye that work iniquity. Do you know how blasphemous it is to come to Jesus, to stand before God and or hold up a Bible, as many have, and say, well, I, I believe the God of the Bible is a God of love. I believe that He would not send anybody to hell forever. That kind of God isn't in the Bible. That sermon is being preached all over this city this morning. How blasphemous is it, is it to pick up a Bible and say those things about the God of the Bible? Jesus warned us about a place called hell. How many times is passing out tracts? Oh, I'm okay. I don't need that. I'm this. I'm that. I'm Catholic. I'm Orthodox. Okay. My name's Pete Montoro, right? you, You can't enter in at the straight gate. Dragging a church behind you. In fact, our church doesn't do you any good until after you're saved. You see, we're not interested in having members of our church that haven't come through the gate. Because when we assemble on the other side, we don't want to be looking around saying, Wow, where'd everybody go? Oh, there has to be a few that pretended. And every once in a while we'll have someone who's a member of our church for... uh, I remember Linda Rivera for years and years. And all of a sudden she just contacted uh, contacted church. I'm not saved. I said, well, you know, I can't see into people's hearts. But Jesus can. 
And that's why we put the emphasis there. Amen? And I'll tell you what. I think it was my wife that actually dealt with her. She didn't say, what's wrong with you, Linda? Why, why, how could you do this? Come to this church. That wasn't it at all. It's, hey, we are so happy that you finally figured this thing out. Because I, I don't want anyone who sits in this church Sunday after Sunday coming up and, and, and looking me in the face and saying, you never told me. But what's going to happen when these people are knocking on this door, they've been dressed in the pride and the arrogance of their religion all their life. I don't need that stuff you have at your church. I've got a connection directly with God. I've had people say that to me. I'm not one messed up dude. I feel sorry for you. I have a connection with God. It's the man Christ Jesus. Amen. What's the response when they finally get it? When they finally understand that they're on the wrong side of the gate? It says, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, that's a phrase that is used in the Bible only of people who have no hope of eternity. Gnashing is the grinding uh, of your teeth. And that happens at moments of extreme uh, anger or sorrow or just extreme emotion. There are people that have literally broken teeth because they've clenched so tightly. Um, And yet, here's what it says. If you read the parallel passage in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, which we're going to get to in the next several weeks here as we're going through that uh, sermon, he said, I never knew you. That when he said, I know not, I know you not whence you are, he's saying, I don't know anything about you. I'm not a partaker of your life. Those that have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, it says that he comes to live inside of us in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And that the life that we now have, it belongs to him. It's not ours. And he will help us to live for him. And he says, I don't know you. I've never known all that you have done. Is iniquity. How many of you remember Mother Teresa? Uh, we were taking the Decker family uh, a sightseeing, and we walked through uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral, and they already have uh, an alcove there to Mother Teresa where people pray to her. She's already uh, been enrolled in the list of saints. And I cannot believe this, but I remember as she was approaching death, uh, uh, News Radio 880 was reporting on all these things. And, and her last words that were reported on the news was, I haven't done enough good works to earn eternal life. Now let me tell you, 
if there's anybody that could have put themselves on that list, I mean, most people do. Oh, I'm not Mother Teresa. How many times have you heard someone say that? And my, my response usually is, you know, that really wasn't the question. Uh, I, I think I can tell the difference. Especially now, since she's dead, there's, there's no way you could be Mother Teresa. You see, one of the reasons why I try to preach and teach the way I do is because I don't want any person who's attended a service at our church to be able to say, you didn't tell me the truth. What do you think about all these people that I think it was nine or ten people. Does anybody remember Mr. Applewaite and the, uh, the people that committed suicide with the plastic bags and the purple scarves? What do you think is going on in hell right now? You sent me here. You told me. If I believed in you and committed suicide... We, we would get to the mothership and we would have an ultimate experience. And now we're here forever separated from God because I listen to you. How about some of these religious leaders are out there? Mr. Feelgood. Oh, we just love you and you just need to realize your inner champion. I'll tell you what. You're going to find yourself knocking on the wrong side of the gate. And you're going to find out that you were deceived. But could I challenge you? If you find yourself on the wrong side of that gate, that you're just as responsible as the person who deceived you. Hello? You made a choice. I mean, if I stood here before you and said, Joel Olstein is a liar. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Then you stop and think about it and say, oh, yeah. Because you know he doesn't teach what's in the Bible. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. I'm not working on my master's degree so that I can know that Benning Hinn is a fake and a fraud. I don't have to figure these things out. Why do I call names and why do I do these things? Because they are deceiving people and people are believing a false gospel. And one of these days, they're going to be pounding with their fist on the wrong side of the gate. And it's finally going to dawn on them as they literally shred those ecclesiastical robes with their hands. And he says, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. You see, then he says, 
When ye shall see, middle of verse 28, when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out and they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. Stop and think about that. We have some people here today that represent South America and parts of Africa, Southern Africa. Guess what? They're South. We have people here whose heritage is in Europe. Uh, That would pretty much count for North now, wouldn't it? And uh, we have people from the East. We have Philippines and Indonesia. That certainly counts for East. And we got people from the West. Hey, we got got all four directions. Amen? And all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And nothing else. You see, we have no incredible heritage. And we have no fancy relics. And we have no uh, all of these things that people say that you ought to have for religion. But we got Jesus. You see, that's the last... We're the ones that have no right to lift up our head as the publican did and just say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He said, those are the ones that are going to be first. I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of just waiting in line. Hello? I mean, if I have the opportunity not to be rude and not to... Uh, 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 step on someone or push someone out of my way. I, I don't mind being the first one in line. I really don't. I, I rather enjoy it. How about you? Most of us are that way, are we not? But look at the wording very carefully there. It says, And behold, there are last which shall be first, and there are first which shall be last. You know, he, he, the, the article is not there. It's using first and last as a noun. It's talking about people who are last. You know, as a Gentile, I have no right to the legacy of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Where the, the generations that handed down the laws of God, I, I have no right to that. Jesus gave me a whole Bible I can hold in my hand and I can read and preach every word of it. Can we say amen to that? I I get, my blood just boils every so often. I'll get a phone call and say, well, you know, uh, I, I have special knowledge of Jewish things and and I can teach your people things that they just never know about. Who died and left you in charge? I got the same Bible you got. You know, what makes you think? I don't go to Greek people and ask them to help me understand my Bible. You know why? Because none of them could read it. The difference between modern Greek and ancient Greek is the difference between English and Spanish. 
I can't read that either, amen? And so, uh, listen, the simple truth of the matter is the last. If you're going to walk through that gate, that's who you got to be. you got to understand you're last. You don't have any rights, no privileges. You're not helping God out. In fact, most of us were honest. We need a whole lot more help from God than we think we do. We're last. Losers. Lost. But on August 28, 1977, I walked through that gate. And I believed on Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm going to be first. Yes. All those religious people. In fact, I had a Muslim man. I was talking to him. I said, what does... What hope does the Quran give you heaven? He said, oh, that's real easy. He says, on Judgment Day, he says, you can go to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you show me the way of eternal life? And Jesus says, yes, I can, but it'll take 10,000 years. And he says, you can, he says, and the Jewish people will go to Abraham and they'll say, Abraham, can you show us the way of life? And he says, yes, I can, but it'll take 100,000 years. He says, I'm going to go to Muhammad and he'll say, right this way. I said, that's pretty good for Muhammad. But how many of you can see the, that that was made up? Somebody just sat down and decided that they were going to pick some arbitrary dates and, and put their guy first. I mean, it's nothing more than a political speech. But I'll tell you, I've been everything but spit on by some Muslims. Even violence threatened on more than one occasion. But they're not even going to be in line on that day. All of a sudden, in their proud pride and their arrogance... They're going to realize they were lied to. They didn't have the truth. They didn't get in the gate because they weren't willing to lay down everything and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is not out of some Baptist catechism book. That's just Bible. We're not trying to promote ourselves in any way. Because you know what? I'm last. I'm not part of the last. I'm, I'm just last. I'm a loser. I've sinned. I've come short of the glory of God. I cannot save myself. I tried awful hard. I praise God I gave up when I was 11. Because it sure has been a whole lot easier since that point. It's a whole lot easier when Jesus is the one doing the saving. And could I just challenge us this morning as a church? Let's enter in at that straight gate. If you're sitting out here this morning, you're not sure whether you're in or out. Don't you think you ought to take some time and investigate that thing before the door gets closed. That's what invitation is. 
It's a time for you to say, hey, where am I? You're either inside or outside. You can't be halfway through. Because when that door shuts, you're going to be on one side or the other. And once that door shuts, you can't change it. And you can sit there and get all happy about those that are first, that are going to be last, and how they're going to be humbled. And uh, That's not my heart. My heart cries for the ignorance that rules their souls. That they won't even listen to someone tell them about Jesus because of the hold that those lies have upon their heart and their mind. You know, once you get in the gate, you need to be baptized. You need to be a member of a church because that's the way God ordained you to serve Him. Don't put that off. If you're in, you ought to be in. If you're out, you ought to get in. Because only on the inside is there life. Are we perfect? Well, just become a member and you'll find out how imperfect we really are. You know what? You might find some unlikable people who are members of this church. You might even find out that pastor is unlikable at times. Very few, I remind you. No, we're all human beings, are we not? And see, part of being on the inside is we ought to be so wrapped up in Jesus that those we jostle against in the narrow way don't keep us from continuing in the narrow way. And all God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We ask that you would help us as a church. We pray for those individuals that are here in this auditorium this morning that are on the wrong side of the gate. Oh Lord, our prayer is that they would not stay there. That they would understand the gate is Jesus Christ. He is the door. He is the way. There is no way you can get through that gate without just simply believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. A child can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but so many of, of us adults, we can't. Because we're holding on to too many other things. Lord, I pray for those that have been saved that you would help us to covenant together to walk in that narrow way as Jesus would lead us. Lord, we want you to change who we are so we can bring glory to your name in our individual lives, but through this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.